0: Grace and peace to you, and welcome to Reaching for Real Life with Sean Ozzaro, the senior pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. Now, this is a church that exists to help people just like you find the real life you were created for and find it to the full. That's what Jesus promised in John ten ten. And we continue in this series with a look at the life of Joshua called when God calls you. As life is filled with crossroads and dead ends, Joshua is the model of how God uses obstacles to reveal Himself in powerful ways. So what's your story? The story God is scripting for your life. That is, if you answer his call. Reallife.org has this full message, sermon notes, and series available all for free. But if you feel led to bless this listener-supported radio ministry, then please do so right there at reallife.org. Pastor Sean is now in Joshua chapter 3 and starting off today in Romans chapter 12. It's part two of the message, Faith Stories. It's time for Reaching for Real Life Radio.
1: Other people's stories are great, and they are. They're an encouragement. I'm grateful for them. But you cannot live off of other people's stories, okay? It's not enough. At some point, we have to recognize God wants to give you and I faith stories. God wants to do things in your life, in my life, that cause us to say, man, let me tell you about my God. And people go, oh, it's not real. God's not real. I can't see him. I can't prove him. (laughs) Once you've seen the power of God, you become immune to that kind of thing. Yeah, well, whatever. Let me tell you what I've seen. You're telling me what you think. I'll tell you what I've seen. I'll tell you what I've experienced. Let me tell you what God has actually done. Other people's stories are great, but God wants to give you faith stories of your own. And when he does, it's a powerful thing. Now, I think in this passage, there's a couple of key ideas that can help us be in that place where we can experience the faith kind of stories that God wants to give us. We put ourselves in the place to let God move, put ourselves in the place to be a part of what he's doing. A couple observations. Number one, see where God is moving and follow him. You want, you want real faith stories? You want to really experience the power of God? See where God is moving and follow him. Arch, uh, uh, verse three talks about the Ark of the Covenant, And follow it when it heads out. It represents the presence of the Lord. Let me just tell you, that's just great advice. And these people were used to that. They had followed the cloud by day, the pillar of fire by night. See where God is going and follow him. That is just great advice. Let me tell you, if God's going, I'm going to go. If he's not going, I'm not going to go. Some of you probably have taken the the done the Bible study, experiencing God. Well, this was one of those concepts that Henry Blackaby brought up, and a lot of people have talked about this idea. Don't sit and just kind of try to try to say, "Here's my plan, God. I hope you'll bless it." Look for what God is doing instead, and get on board with what He's doing. It makes perfect sense, but it is not the way we're wired, and not the way we typically do things. We want God to bless our plan. Even in ministry, we think, oh, God's called me to, to plan a church. Okay, well, here's what I got to do. I got to get some key people. I got to raise some funds. I've got to kind of promote. I've got to market. And then I've got, this is how you do it. And early on in the development of this ministry, God said, no, no, no. I, I, don't, I don't want you to do that. I don't want you to go work your plan and then hope I'll bless it. I want you to see what I'm doing and follow me. And let me just say, a whole lot of the time he asks us to do things in the exact opposite way of the way everybody told us it should be done. And he did that for a reason. In fact, he gave us a set of ministry principles to walk by. And I've shared with you before, they felt restrictive at first, almost like our hands were tied. And to the extent that they prohibited us from stepping out in the flesh, they kind of were. That was the intention of these principles. They were biblical. And God just said, I want you to operate differently because I want you to see my power. I want you to operate in my power, my glory, and not in just what you can do. One of those principles was this idea that God wanted us to to focus on building his kingdom and let him build our ministry. Don't worry so much about building your ministry. Build my kingdom, says the Lord, and I'll build your ministry. And so he asked us to put that to the test a number of different ways. And one of the early things that happened is we were part of a, a ministry. We actually had a ministry down in Victoria Court's housing project. And I remember we were having a—we uh, wanted to have a Christmas party for the kids because we were doing kids ministry, and it was one of the ways we were meeting families and cool stuff was happening. We were going to have this little Christmas party, and the the housing authority said, "Sure, you can use the room. You can have a Christmas party. It's great." And we were thinking we'd have twenty some odd kids. They said, "Oh yeah, you'll probably have that." The, the one issue is we have a—the residents' association has a Christmas party scheduled for that day, and they've got their own thing that they're going to be doing. And at first, we're kind of disappointed, like, "Oh man," you know. Going to be competing with that thing, and we don't know what they've got planned and all that. You know, I guess we'll be happy with 20 or so kids. And as we stopped and thought and prayed about it, it was like the Lord said, No, no, this is what I'm talking about. I don't want you to go work your plan and ask me to bless it. See what I'm doing and get involved. He said, I want you to go and I want you to support what these guys are doing, what the residents' association was doing. Well, it wasn't a Christian group, wasn't a Christian thing, wasn't anything. And we're like, Oh, but God, we want to minister, we want to do all this stuff. God's like, Just trust me. Just go and offer to help them instead of having your event. And so we did. Well, we come to find out they had nothing planned. They asked us, will you plan the day? (laughs) Why, yes, we will. Seriously, we got to do whatever we wanted. We got to share the Christmas story. We got to sing Christmas carols. One of our guys got some some coloring books donated, and we got to give them to the kids. Santa Claus was there. Uh, It was just this, and and there were like hundreds, like 500 kids there and their families. It was a huge coming out party for our ministry. We got to meet most of the residents, or at least everybody who had kids. There were tons of people there. And it sounds like the Lord is going, see. <laughs> Just this idea, see what God's doing. See what God's doing and get on board. Look and see where he's going. At that verse 4, remember what it said? It said, follow, because follow the ark and you'll know which way to go. Remember? because since you've never been this way before, that's what's interesting about seeing where God is moving and following him. He's often going to lead you, in fact, most often going to lead you, in ways that you haven't been before. Because the ways we would typically go are flesh-driven. And the way he leads is going to be often completely in the opposite direction of where others would go, or where we would go, or where we've been trained to go. Expect God to lead you into uncharted territory. Expect him... To put you in place where you have to depend on him. Where you have to follow him. See where God is moving and follow him. It's the beginning of him working and experiencing great faith stories. Because bottom line, other people's stories are great. But God wants to give you faith stories of your own. A second thing that he had them do is prepare for the presence. He had them prepare for the presence. That's what verse 5 is talking about when it says, Consecrate yourselves for tomorrow I'm going to do great things among you. Consecrate. Another translation says sanctify yourself. Consecrate, sanctify. The idea is both of these are talking about being set apart, being set apart for his purpose. It speaks of a purity, a purity of heart, a purity of purpose, a purity of vision. It is about being about his things rather than kind of just asking him to fit into the corners and the edges of our lives. So often we say, God, you know, I I don't want to go to hell. I want salvation, of course. But God, I want to do my career the way I want to do it. God, I want to raise my family the way I want to do it. I want to build my home the way I want to build it. I want to do the things I do the way I want to do it. And I just want you to fit in these couple areas over here, God. That's not God, okay? That's like, you need to look up the word God, okay? That's like genie in a bottle. God, I want you over in these little corners, and then I want to pull you out when I need you and have you do what I want you to do, and then I want to put you back in the box. It's like... Yeah, you you obviously don't know what God means, because he's God. And what Joshua told the people, what they prepared the people for, is you need to prepare yourself. If you want to really experience the presence of God, you need to set yourself apart for his purpose. You need to let his spirit sanctify you. See, that's what the spirit does. It kind of cleans out all the old and builds up the new, builds God's presence Builds the character of Jesus. Look at the fruit of the Spirit. Those are the things that happen as part of this consecration, sanctifying process. You can't say, God, I want to lead my own life. Because understand, salvation in and of its very essence is saying, I was leading my own life. That's sin. Sin hurt me. It hurt God and everyone else. And I want to turn from it. That's what repentance means. So repentance is fundamentally that act of consecration saying, God, I want your way. It's the first step. I want your way. And I want to follow you, God. I want to be your man. Prepare ourselves. Prepare ourselves. You see, you're not going to experience the power of God by just living life however you want and then trying to pull them out of the pull them out of the box and say, God, do your stuff. It doesn't work like that. In fact, in the New Testament, we're given a kind of a picture. This is the New Testament version of that. Paul writes in Romans 12, says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. That's, the, that's consecration. We're alive. We're not, he's not taking our lives, but he's saying, yeah, my life is a sacrifice for him. Offer your bodies as living sacrifices. Holy, there's that, because holiness and consecration, like they go together. Holy means being set apart purely for God's purpose. Holy and pleasing to God. Living sacrifice. Holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This is such a powerful idea.
0: And this is when we take a quick minute to remind you, you're listening to Reaching for Real Life with Sean Azaro, a listener-supported ministry of River City Community Church, in this message called Faith Stories, in the series Joshua, When God Calls You which is available right now on the sermons page at reallife.org. And while you're there, if you've been blessed by this teaching, your gift of any amount helps this radio ministry continue to help others. Just find the Give tab at reallife.org. And Pastor Sean Azaro, now an author, invites you to check out his brand new book. Series in a devotional form, encouraging you to embrace the spirit-filled life.
1: I wrote in a devotional style to encourage readers to examine the Scripture with fresh eyes and make room for the Lord to speak about the role of the Spirit in our lives. The goal of the whole book is to simply make you hungry for more of the Spirit.
0: Order your copy of A Pilgrim's Guide to the Spirit-Filled Life by Sean Nazaro today at Amazon or ReachingForRealLife dot org. And now the conclusion to the message: Faith Stories. This is Reaching for Real Life Radio.
1: That this is what your real worship is. You know, worship is not just the song service. We come here, and we have the song service, and worship is a really important part of what we do. It is not just the opening band for the pastor, okay? You need to know that. Now, not that I don't deserve an opening band, mind you, that's, uh, but, but that's not it, okay? I've told them to get me a cool theme song, they, they, they've done nothing for me, all right? You know, wouldn't that be nice? A little snappy theme song. Worship is not the opening band for the pastor. Worship is active and engaged, and it is where we do this. Here, this is the theme of worship. Offer your bodies as living sacrifices. Holy and pleasing, this is your true and proper worship. That's what that part of the service that we call the worship. The whole thing is about that, but that worship service is active and engaged. It's where we come before the Lord and we say, God, I'm yours. God, my heart, my soul, my mind, my strength, my life vision, I am yours, God and we sing the songs and the songs are a beautiful backdrop for the work of what God's doing but the point of the worship portion of our services is where we come and say God we love you and we are yours and if there's business we got to you know that old phrase we're doing business with God that's what that part of the service is about if if we need to repent and say lord I'm sorry you know there's some stuff I've allowed to creep in that is not pleasing to you father forgive me that's a great time to do that cuz lord I want to be consecrated to you I want to be set apart for you I want to be yours That's the heart of worship. We we should probably call what we do here the expression of our worship because worship is the actual putting him first place and saying, I'm I'm a living sacrifice, Lord. I'm yours. That's what worship is about. It's not about are we doing the coolest songs and kind of do I like the songs or, you know, do I like the way the band leads? that's, That's not really it. It's in this time, I say, God, I'm yours, and we say it together. It's a powerful thing. When a congregation of people, the body of Christ that, you know, that gathers here on Lookout Road, that calls itself River City, when we together say, this little segment of the body, Lord, we're yours. We are yours. You are exalted here. You're a king. One king. It's you, Jesus. That's it. And we're in alignment following you. That's powerful. That's what consecration is. And and what's fascinating is he kind of goes and he expounds a little bit, he says, this is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, okay? but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And he says, then, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. See, so often we, I hear people say, well, I can't hear the voice of the Lord, or I read the Bible, I don't hear anything, or I pray, I don't hear anything. Well, how are you doing on the whole living sacrifice part? Because if you're trying to cram God into the corners and pull him out like a genie in a bottle every once in a while when you need him, you're not going to be able to hear him well. You're going to have a real hard time. We've got to prepare the presence that happens through prayer and obedience i want to challenge you there's the closet what we call closet prayer or or inner room when jesus said when you pray get alone with god go to that quiet place that alone place and that's where you get the word out you listen for his voice you ask him to speak you bring the things before him that are on your heart and you pray and you listen and you have that daily we call it a quiet time just means alone with god but then scripture talks about you know, when we leave the prayer closet, God's still with us. He doesn't, like, stay there. So now when you're driving, you can talk to God. When you're in a meeting at work and something's starting to happen, you can say, God, what's going on here? When you're having an exchange with your spouse and you, the flesh is kind of rising up, and, and you can step back and go, Lord, give me your wisdom, and the Spirit will start pointing you in another direction. That's the power of prayer, and it's available 24-7. When we pray and obey, that is the pathway to this consecration. Other people's stories are great, but God wants to give you faith stories of your own. A third thing that they learned and that I think is really important and appropriate for us is get ready to get your feet wet. Okay, If you want to have faith stories because God really did something powerful in you, get ready to get your feet wet. It's fascinating that in verse 15 and 16, it says, now the Jordan's at flood stage during the harvest. So it's giving us a, a condition. It's like a weather report. Yeah, the Jordan was flooded, which it does at harvest time. Yet as soon as the priest who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water stopped. Um, He made them get their feet wet before he stopped the water. See, they stepped into, listen, a raging river at flood stage with the Ark of the Covenant on their shoulders. The most precious, important, valuable relic they had. They stepped into a raging, flooded river at flood stage holding the Ark of the Covenant. Now, in San Antonio, they would have got arrested, okay? Because we know, you go into a low-water crossing at flood stage, you get messed up, yeah, we'll save you, but then we're going to fine you because stupid is illegal in San Antonio, okay? (laughs) That's how we roll. Well, that's what they did because God told them to. And, And it's fascinating. He made them get their feet wet and then the water dried up, and the ground became dry in front of them. God usually requires that we take a step before the path clears. And the reason he does that is because he wants our trust to be in him and our eyes to be on him, not on a clear path. Because we love a clear path. In fact, we sometimes call it the path of least resistance. And he wants us keeping our eyes on him. And so he often requires that we take that step he didn't clear everything out. I mean, it's like, God, come on, you could have cleared that thing out. You could have, you could have cleared it all out. You could have had, had, you know, kind of had it raked and everything. Could, you could put a red carpet through. You could have nice, soft music playing. It could have been a very restful experience for them. But he didn't. He made them take a step first. They had to step into and get their feet wet in a raging river at flood stage so that they would keep their eyes on the Lord and know that it was He who had cleared their path so that they could see this was their miracle. This was God saying, I am with you. I want to challenge us. When God leads us, it's often going to be into things that other people say, You're crazy. You're absolutely crazy. I can't tell you how many times throughout the course, throughout the the journey of this ministry. People said you're crazy. God told us to buy a 110 acres with a big old amphitheater on it. People said you're crazy, and they were right. I'm, like, I'm, I'm not arguing the obvious, okay? But I'm telling you, we set out. We thought, okay, God's way was I'm going to do this. Our way. This is when you. This is when you understand. Okay, follow what He's leading, not your plan. Our plan was to go look for like. 40 50 acres that was our plan our plan was go look for 40 50 acres and build a nice little church building and because that's what the sensible people would do okay and then somebody we knew hey i want to look at the verizon amphitheater and we're like sure you know really that was kind of how that was kind of how it went until we got here and recognized god's going to do this and it's a long story great story i'll tell it to you sometime some of you've heard it some of you have it but God did a miraculous work because he said, this is what I'm going to do. This was not on our radar. And let me just tell you, he made us get our feet wet. In fact, he didn't stop with the feet. He was nice to the priests. He made us kind of dive in and get thrashed around in the low water crossing for a while. (laughs) But God did amazing things on our behalf. He often has us take that step of faith and then he parts the water. So I don't know what kind of faith step he may be challenging you with, but I just want to say take it. If you know it's the Lord, take it. Do it. See what he does. Other people's stories are great. God wants to give you and me faith stories of our own. Last thing. Remember what God does. This is really important. Remember what God does. Remember those 12 guys okay, who were... Mention just a sentence in Chapter three, and then they don't tell us anything about him. From what each of the tribes select a guy, and that's what they did. okay Well, what we find out in Chapter Four is they had those guys go, and while the priests are in the middle and while the people are walking across and while they're on dry ground, he has them get stones. each one gets a stone from the bottom of the Jordan River. okay, so they come out with these twelve stones, and he has them build a memorial, just a little remembrance. That's what a memorial is. It's to remember. In fact, in chapter 4, beginning at verse 19, we read this about that. On the 10th day of the first month, the people went up from the Jordan and camped at Gilgal on the eastern border of Jericho. And Joshua set up at Gilgal the 12 stones they'd taken out of the Jordan. He said to the Israelites, in the future, when your descendants ask their parents, what do these stones mean? Tell them, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan what he had done to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us until we had crossed over. He did this so that all the people of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that you might always fear the Lord your God. Hmm. Somebody should preach on that. Isn't that good? That's what he was doing. And, and what was interesting is, the anticipation was, and, and what was fascinating is, this was now going to be their home, and that's why he did it now. So they would not only remember the Jordan, they would remember the Red Sea. But it was, it was now in what was going to be their home, across from Jericho. That was part of the land God was going to give them. So God envisioned, and this had the picture in mind, that one day a grandfather would be walking by with his grandson, his granddaughter, who hadn't seen, who didn't know. Oh, Those stones? Those stones are from the bottom of the river. Because you remember, God walked us across on dry ground to remind us of his power and his presence. That was back when Jericho wasn't our city. When Jericho was there and it wasn't level ground. It was back then. Oh, there's something powerful about our faith stories. This is how faith is built. One step of obedience and God's provision at a time. And then you remember. And then you remember. See, other people's stories are great and they're motivating and they're a gift of God. But what's fascinating is when he gives us our own stories, our stories now become motivation for people. Other people. And my challenge, my desire is that other, our faith stories would be something that would motivate other people for them to say, maybe God could do something like that for me. Maybe I could trust God. I don't want people to hear River City's faith stories, which we've got some great ones, but I don't want people to hear them and go, wow, isn't River City great? That doesn't do anything. I want them to say, isn't God amazing? And maybe if he could do it for them, he could do it for us. And how powerful is that? I want them to have a hunger for something real. I want them to hear about our stories, not just the church's corporate, your stories. I want you and I to have personal faith stories, stuff God does at work, stuff he does in our families, stuff he does through our finances, all the areas of our life, those stories to make other people go, man, I want that. I want the power of God because we all have something inside us that knows we were made for something more, knows that God is real, even if we won't admit it and longs to see the real power of God. I want our faith stories to make other people hungry for more of Jesus. That's what they do. And so, other people's stories are great, but God wants to give you and I faith stories of our own. Our challenge is will we let them? Will we say, will we follow when the Lord leads? Will we consecrate ourselves? Will we get ready? Will we get our feet wet when the time comes and the river looks pretty hard and everybody says you're crazy? Will we do it? Will we let God lead us places we've never been before?
0: That's Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio. And if you'd like to hear this full message called Faith Stories, in the series Joshua, When God Calls You. It's available right now on demand at reallife.org. And while you're there, we'd appreciate your feedback. You can leave us a note on our Contact Us page.